0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Ribeiro and I will be your host. I'll be interviewing recruiters, hiring managers, and experts to help you land your next job sooner. Just a quick reminder to download your high converting resume template that's been proven to get you more job interviews at resumetemplate.canadianjobsearchacademy.com. And if this episode resonates with you, then remember to subscribe, comment, and share. Thank you and welcome to the show. Hey, everybody, welcome to this episode of the podcast. My name is John, the host, and I will be interviewing a, an awesome guest, Christine Nielsen. She is the CEO of Contrast Results Group, where it's all about your growth and leadership and results. Christine, I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast with us.
1: I am so excited to be here today with you. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: I know just, you know, the informational session that we did together, you know, part of the things I do as part of the podcast is I I pre-screen my guests to make sure I'm getting some really valuable content for the audience that's listening in. And just in, you know, I got so many good notes and so many good nuggets just from that screen. I know that this interview is just going to blow everybody away as they start to listen in and start to take away things. So let's jump right into it. Um, So what's different? So over the last 18 months, what's different about the job market?
1: The job market specifically, in terms of what's different, there are so many things that have changed. Mm -hmm. So let's start with what we're about to see from a trend perspective. And what we're hearing a lot more about is this resignation boom. Mm. You know, I think some of the statistics were as high as 67, 72 percent. You've seen variable, variable statistics on this based on different studies, but of resignations in the next two months. That's... Huge. So where are all of these people going? So if people are intending to resign and who are the people that are resigning? Where do they sit? What jobs are they occupying currently? And then this morning, you probably read the Bloomberg news where jobs in Canada have hit a spike and you're Mm -hmm. seeing a massive influx where people are, you know, reopening is happening. So part-time employment. So there's different things happening in different sectors of employment. So where is that resignation boom sitting? It's actually sitting in middle mid-level management, directorships, in corporations, where people have had the opportunity to really sit back, take stock of what is important to me, and is my time in this organization valued? Do I have an experience of being valued? So that's number one thing that people are asking themselves. They're not necessarily jumping ship because of money you know mm-hmm. often what will happen is this battle over battle over brains and companies will fight over, you know, that top talent pool. That's not what we're seeing here. People are are leaving the job market completely and they're either starting their own thing, some of them are retiring early and will be starting their own thing eventually. They're taking some time away from that corporate world and moving more into an entrepreneurial piece. Some people will be straddling that bridge for a while. And you won't necessarily know who you're losing in your talent until post-summer. So when will organizations figure this one out? It'll be September, October time frame when they're ready to ramp up and they get those resignation letters coming in from their top talent. And that's going to be a big challenge in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. So and what I'm also hearing, you know, as people leave organizations, whether it's to do their own thing as an entrepreneur or to even go and retire, semi-retire. I know that's one of the things that a lot of people are contemplating because of what, you know, it's happened over the last two years. It's going to create some really good opportunities for people going into organizations. So, what i'm wondering and and i'd love to get your perspective on this what should those candidates what should that talent i'm going to use the word talent because it's a word that uh, i i really enjoyed in one of my other podcasts what should talent start looking for inside of organizations to 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 be in a place where they can thrive
1: oh i love this so one of the things that you will be seeing people won't tolerate crappy cultures anymore Mm -hmm. They are going to be asking and interviewing other people who already work in that culture about, you know, do are people lined up and is this a do what we say culture or is this a we lead by example culture? Are the leadership team are they really listening or are they saying the right words but acting completely incongruent with that? So that's number one. The other thing that people will look at is that experience of you know, how can I maximize my professional career and the purpose that I deliver? So is there an alignment in their own purpose? Because that's become very, very important, especially in different generations. People understand the value of their time today way more than they ever have. So they know that if they're spending their 80% of their life in work, they want to make sure that it's very much in, inside of what their purpose is in life, and so that's a big thing. So, how can companies really attract? Like, how do you know if they're if they're being met and purpose? It's value. Are they being understood and recognized for their unique contribution? Is there an opportunity for growth based on those unique contributions outside of maybe what they're paid for on the day to day? So, there's a lot of things that go into that. We could probably spend at least three days talking about that one nuance (laughs) but the biggest challenge is also for companies how do you attract talent with you know in in a in a pool of sameness so everything that looks the same for a you know a senior level leader and they hear the same verbiage over and over again what's the differentiator it will come down to culture it will come down to how people experience that culture and whether that's a great fit The other thing, you could have one company and different arms of that company. In large corporations, often you'll have a banking side, an investor side, different elements of a very large company. Each faction of that large company has a different company culture. So Mm -hmm. moving even internally. So let's talk about the internal hype, internal shifts. So in some cases, people are going to be staying inside the same, the banner on the logo on the outside or their business card logo will say the same thing, but the the movement will happen because that talent will move from one or part of the organization to a different part of the organization out of need out of necessity and the difference will be are they attracted to the new culture is the culture that is existing is there some are there some challenges there in their leadership mm-hmm. you know how are they communicating when someone leaves the organization is telling so if there's zero communication when a top level leader leaves the organization you know right away people will make in the absence of information people make stuff up and it's usually not good so there's a lot of things that go into that i want to touch on one more thing that i said before i forget because i will forget <laughs> one of the things that i had i had just mentioned was you know looking at culture and talent the other part is retraining and repurposing skill sets so you're seeing a lot of automation a lot of redundancies a lot of things going on in organizations More at a mid-level and lower than a Mm mid-level, less so at a senior level and director, uh, higher level in the organization. But what people are looking for is, how will I be retrained to be relevant and current as I go forward in my career? Mm -hmm. People want to know that pathway. And if it's not clear and there's no plan in place, they're less likely to move into a role that doesn't have a clear plan for retraining and development. That's huge for people right now.
0: Yeah, and I would guess, and and so there's a couple of different things I'm hearing, um, you know, as people are a going in and and looking at organizations. Number one, really focusing and understanding culture. Uh, so actually, just kind of building on that question, how can they learn? I know one of the things you talked about was interviewing other. Uh, other um, employees that have worked for that organization or former employees of that organization to get information, but how else, you know, as a, as as a talent going into an organization, how do you really understand or how do you see what culture looks like without actually going in, in depth or being active in that environment to understand culture?
1: I am going to share something with you that people pay me a lot of money for. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So go into the, their LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. look at the company page on the company page how much engagement from their employees is happening on their linkedin profile or their other social media profiles are their employees engaging outwardly with their social media profile that is very telling to an organization so are they posting articles and tagging their corporate page Are they actively communicating what's going on in the company? Are they sharing the company's information when the company has an announcement or they say, Hey, we did this really great thing. Are their employees actively involved and distributing that information? Mm. That tells you immediately about engagement levels. People want to spend a lot of money on engagement surveys. Go there. It's very telling. (laughs) Companies that have extraordinary cultures, Google, LinkedIn, um, sorry, uh, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, Mm -hmm. these companies are very much built on the premise of their organizational culture. And you can tell because their employees actively engage and promote in their social media networks about their companies in a way that's appropriate.
0: Yeah. And actually, so that, you know, and that's interesting as you say that, you know, one of the things I do is I look at companies all the time to see what their engagement model looks like. Are senior executive people engaging with people um, not at their level, people just who are joining the organization? And and there's a specific, I'm not going to mention the company by name, but there's a Canadian organization that I've been looking at. And the CEO, when they onboard somebody into the organization, they actually go on to LinkedIn. You know, the HR person will welcome them to, or the human resources person will welcome them to the organization. And then the CEO will go in and comment and say, hey, love to have you here. Glad that you're a part of our group. And you can tell just from that culture, what that culture looks like. And, and, you know, what's also interesting is that particular organization gives everybody a coach when they join the company. Yes, And I'm like, wow. So I I guess there's a lot of different things that organizations need to do today to stand out, to be different.
1: Well, I'll I'll also give you an example. Sometimes they give the opportunity and they'll say, we're going to provide coaching for you and you can sign on for our coaching program. That's a great Mm. one because that's what we do in a lot of the companies we work with. And then the employees, they're so busy being onboarded and they forget that they have this resource Mm. at their fingertips. So how much are they using the resources that are provided for? Here's another, for instance, a company that has an extraordinary program where if you are interested in a a community give back, so a big part of their culture is community give back and you're interested in some kind of volunteer day or raising funds or financing or doing something to volunteer, they give you that time off paid time off to contribute to your favorite charity and organization. Now, most of their, why don't employees actually take that time and do that? It's because the man, and then they'll say, well, it was in the manual. It was in the onboarding manual. And I laugh because if you're providing coaching or you're providing time off to be actively participating in things that are congruent with the purpose and the values of the company, and you don't remind your employees, hey, tell us more about how your coaching is going. What's your experience like? Hmm. How how did you use your extraordinary life and your give back? We want to hear more from you. And they're not actively communicating that and getting feedback loops on some of those really important benefits that they're offering. And often the employees don't even know that they're offered because hmm. they forgot about it or it's somewhere in the manual and they didn't really, they you know, they got very busy being onboarded is like drinking at the wrong end of the firing hose, right? You're like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> So it's like, well, we told them about that once. So it's so simple how you can engage and activate your employees and your people by reminding them of the extraordinary things that you're already doing,
0: yeah.
1: like the CEO going in and saying, welcome aboard.
0: Yeah, no, and, and it's really those little things, but you know, and, and it's interesting. And then maybe we'll just explore this particular area a little more. So, and, you know, i worked for, I, I used to work for a large organization and they had all these great programs. They have the give back days, they had uh, mentoring, they had coaching. And what was unfortunate, you know, one of the things I actively pursue is mentoring and coaching. And even to this day, I still got mentors and coaches, regardless, I don't think it matters where you're at in terms of level. Everybody needs a mentor. I'm a master coach coach.
1: I have five.
0: that's amazing and thank you for sharing that because it's true right like the most successful people have coaches and they have mentors around them and what was interesting like you said you know people not taking advantage of these things and i know we're probably diving into some really good you know meaty information here but how does an organization get that across outside of the manual? What else can they do to actively engage with their people? And I'm thinking from a talents perspective, asking those questions, you know, do you have mentors? Do you have coaches? Um, how else can an organization get that across to people, whether they're, you know, joining them for the first time or they're just thinking about moving around in the organization? I, how else can an organization I, get that across?
1: So do you measure how much your employees are engaging in the employee benefits programs such as coaching, mentoring, uh, days off for certain things, Uh, even measuring are they getting, if you've got a health benefit, are they getting their teeth cleaned, their optometry, Are are they submitting those health benefit claims? And measuring that is very simple because as soon as the employee does all of those things. You're not looking at the what. You're not looking at the personal elements. You're looking at are they using our benefits that we have yeah. on offer? And then how are you celebrating them for using the benefits that you're already paying for anyway? Yeah. So if, you're, if you've got a coaching and mentoring program, is it tied to some personal bonus, a personal elevation? Is it tied to a performance? that actually has employees go back and say, hey, I can use this coach to get where I wanna go in the company. And they don't know the, what I'm doing inside of that coaching, but they know that I'm using it. Yeah, That's the most important thing. And they rarely, you know, there's a lot of statistics on it, but is it on your performance matrix, not in a negative or in a punishing way, but in an attribute way where it's like, that's your leg up. How do you get people talking about that? because coaching and mentoring produces results.
0: Yeah. No, well, absolutely. What
1: results are they producing? What is the sustainment of those results? Sustainment and sustainability are really for me it's critical. Yeah. Coaching mentoring the programs that we offer allow people to be sustaining themselves in their role or performing at a higher level.
0: Yeah. No, I and I think there was something that you said in our earlier conversation around It's not so much around creating an environment that works for people, but getting people to get to a point where they love the environment they're working in, right? Mm -hmm. And and that actually, I'll have you kind of open that up a little bit more, because I I found that incredibly insightful from from a perspective of an organization. Yes, we're going to do all these things to do what we can to make this the right place. But I think it's the programs that really get them there, right?
1: Yeah. And it's the conversation that people are having around the programs.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So instead of having it be, you know, often when I first started coaching, we were not allowed to call in the C-suite and very high level company. We're not, we were asked not to say we were coaches, because if you needed a coach in your business to run your leadership or to run your team, there must be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Now the culture has shifted for if you don't have a coach, there must be something wrong with you. So it's how do you create a culture and a conversation where you're you're talking about those benefits, you're talking about what's it like to be here. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the the you know connecting people to the power of that. Because there's a lot of power in understanding, I have a gap in my development, and I get a place to go where I'm going to be trained on this, where it's not shameful, it's celebrated that I'm closing that gap in my development. Whereas some cultures are, it's a whipping tool. And you have to understand, how do people relate to it? Are they relating to it like they're celebrating it. They're excited to step into it. They're, they can't wait to learn or are they relating to it? Like I have to sit through another training and I want to poke my eyes out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and actually, as you said that, I remember those training sessions. It's like, man, why are we here? When is this thing over? Like when can we just get back to work? Right. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, and absolutely. And I, you know, I think you touched on something that was incredibly important there. The, the uh, the pers- not the perspective, but the view, like, you know, how do you look at these things? How is, you know, is coaching a tool to, to fix something that's broken or is it a tool to help you become better? Right. And, and I think that perspective and that shift in perspective is really what's making a change. And, I, you know, from a candidate's perspective, as they're going in to understand that, you know, these are the things that they should be looking for, because it is a candidate's market. Right. You talk about the
1: question what coaching mentoring and training programs do you have and they're very distinct training Mm -hmm. teaches you the educational components of your job and the functionality of it mentoring is more of a broad-based understanding of listening to someone who can help you guide your career coaching helps you deliver the results and close the gaps in your own blind spots in your leadership capabilities and Do companies have one or all three of those? How do they use them? How do they measure that? Very, very important. And if you're not asking that question or companies will say, yeah, yeah, we have a training program, ask a second question. Of course, they have training programs. They have to train you and teach you how to do the things that they need you to do. But is the training program around results? So you said something really important. Why are we here? Mm-hmm. A lot of companies have training programs where they don't ask their employees, what types of training do you need to be able to better facilitate and do your job? So let's talk about negotiation. You work in a call center. Are you doing negotiation? Or are you just working on de-escalating a, a customer? If you're working on negotiation, you actually can empower the employee, in a in a situation where they have, you know, a lot of autonomy and a lot of say. If you're doing it to deescalate a client and you're measuring how fast they get off the, off that call. Well, Mm -hmm. what's the result you're going to get in your culture?
0: Yeah. And it's going to
1: be pretty incongruent.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing that's also coming to mind is, you know, as a, as a, as a talent that's going through the process, even asking the person across the table, Hey, do you take advantage of these programs? Yes. And if they you know, and if they say no, <laughs> that tells you, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it really gives you an indication of, you know, what priorities are and what's important to them, right? Um, well, and well that...
1: also asking for examples, can you give mm-hmm. me an example of how your mentoring program has helped you in the organization? Yeah. Give me an example of how often you meet your coach and what your, what outcomes you're producing with that, the coaching that you're receiving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. People <laughs> feel
1: uncomfortable to ask those questions in interviews.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if they ask those questions in the interview, one, they're also they have to f- remember you're interviewing that employer. It's not just a one-way conversation. I hope I get the job. It's are, is this company worth my invaluable, my most precious and valuable asset is my time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my brain. So are they worth it? And they have to earn that. And people forget that in an interview.
0: Yeah. No, and I think it goes, it ties back to what you talked about, finding meaningful and purposeful work, right? And if you're not, you know, if you're going through the process and not asking these questions, you know, as as a talent that's looking at these organizations, you know, you might end up six months, a year from now, really disappointed with where you're at, and then going through the whole process again because you haven't really done it right the first time. Um, So one of the things I want to talk about and just kind of explore as we go into this, you know, people who are shifting into the entrepreneurial world, because I, you know, I I found that really interesting, you know, the mass exodus of people leaving organizations and going to their own thing. What are some of the things that those entrepreneurs need to be aware of that uh, is going to be different for them as they're going through that process?
1: Such a massive (laughs) So the first part is if you've worked in a very large organization, um, the structures for fulfillment in a corporate organization are very different than they are as an entrepreneur. Mm. As an entrepreneur, the buck stops with you and the cavalry ain't coming. So there's no minions to rely on, you know, whereas in in a corporate world, you might have had people who you could toss over like, can you make this slide kit for me? Or I need these people called and I need my calendar arranged as an entrepreneur, unless those structures exist in the company already that you're moving into, you have to do all of that work. Mm. So you're either building the, the people and the team around you to support what you're, what you're going after as an entrepreneur, or you, and that's the biggest shift. The other thing that startles people is that blank canvas in front of them. They are very startled by, wow, my days aren't jam-packed with meeting useless meetings all day long. I mean, I have to generate something here. I actually have to do all of that planning and all of that work. And it is a tricky, it's a tricky thing for some engineers, for instance. So I love to talk about engineers because this is a great one. Engineers are really many engineers who really love just building things.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they just want to be able to build things, but then they get promoted into leadership roles in their organizations. They don't necessarily want to lead a team of people, they just want to build great stuff. So often what will happen is they get promoted and they're put into these roles where they're leading large groups of people and they're uncomfortable with that. And they may not have a coach or a mentor or a training program that actually facilitates that change and that development. Many of them are extraordinary at it. Some of the best leaders I know are engineers. But when they go into the entrepreneurial world, It's also a challenge because they still just want to build really great things, and there's no one shoring them up to do the sales, the marketing. Who's talking about that really great thing that you just built? And often what will happen is it doesn't get lift off because they're so busy perfecting what the thing is that they're creating that they haven't paid attention to the other elements of the business. So if you're moving into an entrepreneurial uh, company, it doesn't have to be a small company, it could be a mid-sized company. You need to understand what you bring to the table, what your superpowers are, if you will, your unique, mm-hmm. unique abilities, and who else around you can shore you up. Because we are not good at everything. There are things that if I'm touching it, our company is losing money. So those are not mm-hmm. my superpowers. If yeah, I'm yeah. cut if and because and that's just the opportunity cost of doing that. And people need to understand the value of their time and what they're putting in against that so rolling up their sleeves doing things they don't like to do that definitely will be a challenge for many and they don't always make the best transition knowing yourself before you make that jump do you really have that entrepreneurial because it's scary Mm -hmm. it you you've got to be a crazy person to be an entrepreneur
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm discovering that i'm learning about that right now so it's uh it's definitely an interesting process. Uh, and like you said, you know, you, I think people forget as entrepreneurs that you still need to build that team. You can't be, uh, um, uh, what's the, you're not an island, right? Like it, nobody does it on their own. You do it around people, uh, you do it with other people around you to help you build what you need to build. Right. So if there's any word of caution that you would give these entrepreneurs, and actually I kind of heard already and I'm teasing it out is number one, connect with a coach, right? Like that's really going to help you to figure out if that's the right direction for you, but is there anything else or other words of cautions that you would give for people who are thinking about or contemplating about going that route uh, from moving from a full-time position inside of a large organization?
1: Yes. Runway. (laughs) How much runway do you have to get what you want in your business.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So often people will move and they'll go, I'm going to build this great product. And if I build it, they will come. And everybody thinks sales is like a hockey stick. Okay. It's not. There's the shaft on that stick, like the blade, sorry, is much longer in many, in many cases. So do you have the runway and can you tolerate the uncertainty of it? Mm. What's your tolerance for uncertainty. Not necessarily, everybody wants to know, well, I'm a risky person. I'm not talking about risk. I'm talking about uncertainty and they're very distinct. How much uncertainty can you handle? And, you know, so those are the first two pieces. And the second two people, the the second parts are, you know, why do entrepreneurial organizations fail? It's always coming down to resources, people, Mm. resources and capital resources. So do you have, when I talk about runway, I'm talking about, do you have enough cash capital to back you in your personal life so that you're not sweating it out in the very beginning? Most do not. They don't think about that part. Some do. The next part is the people resources. So it doesn't mean you have to go hire 10 people tomorrow when you don't have enough payroll to pay those 10 people. There's Mm. ways to develop and design your company where you're using strategic alliances, where you're using partnerships, where you're underpinning the company from a resource perspective and have those things set in place before you take the leap. Know that plan. What's the plan and what's that model? What is your go-to-market strategy? We run a program called Growth and Profits in 93 Days. So it's literally underpinning your company in the first 93 days of how you're gonna actually become a sustainable, lucrative um, entrepreneur.
0: That's amazing. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and you know, as, uh, as we're going through this and, and what I'm hearing, and the reason I brought this up, and I typically don't cover this particular topic on the podcast, you know, about people going into entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial ventures or even working with a small entrepreneurial businesses because it, they are, you know, I'm going to call them a little bit risky. It's a little bit different. And in, inside those organizations, you tend to wear a lot more hats, right? So it's not like a giant machine. You're not just doing one thing. You're doing a variety of different things. So you got to make sure that your tolerance and your risk level and your comfort level is there as well to, to be able to work with these organizations.
1: Yeah, the learning curve is massive and you're going to be <laughs> learning things you didn't even know you didn't know about.
0: <laughs> yeah, and actually, you know what? It's funny because one of those things was what we had earlier. We had a technical issue. We had to go back and forth that we finally figured it out but there is no it support to call right there's nobody to you know, I'm, I'm going into an important meeting what do i do who do i call there's nobody it's just you. cavalry incoming <laughs> it's just you and google right yeah. um so christine i just uh this has been amazing it's been really insightful there's a lot of great information here um if people wanted to connect with you and learn a little bit more about you where could they go
1: I'm everywhere right now, <laughs> so you can hit me on LinkedIn, uh, Christine Nielsen, it's spelled the Danish way, N-I-E-L-S-E-N. You can also find me under Coach C Official on Instagram, and then our company sites are Contrast Results Group, and our company website is Contrast Results Group, so I really am everywhere. You can find me. If you if you look hard enough, you will find me. Um, so I do go often by the, by the title of coach C official. That's one of uh, the things that we love to love to call me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, excellent. And then and what I'll make sure that I do as part of the show notes, I'll include the links to all, uh, to your website and to your social feeds as well, just so people can connect with you. I know you also have an upcoming podcast. that's going to be re-released. We're rebranding I'm, it. I'm re-branding it. Um, so I'm excited because I went in, I listened to a couple of other your older episodes, and I know the new stuff's going to be amazing. So for those of you that, you know, want to continue down this path to really understand what it is you need to do to be successful highly encourage you to connect with Christine and just to learn a little bit about her. Uh, You know, from, from what I've seen so far, Christine has been an amazing person, very open to just chatting and connecting with people. So that's been amazing. So Christine, I just. Thank
1: you so much for having me today. (laughs) I am completely filled with gratitude and I look forward to the next uh, chat. I think you need to come on to the newly (laughs) rebranded, the uh, Coach in Your Pocket podcast. Yeah,
0: I would, I would love that. That would be fantastic. Well, Christine, thank you again. And for those of you that are listening in, thanks for for listening in. Make sure I know you took away several notes. I have two pages of notes and I'm the one that's doing the interview. So I can only imagine for those of you that are listening in what you're taking away. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Wishing everyone a great one. Talk to y'all soon. Take care.